0: This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job, but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired, and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at hire.com slash iFreaks.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the iFreaks show. Today in our panel we have Andrew Madsen. Hello from Microsoft Build in San Francisco. And I'm James Zuber, also from Microsoft Build in San Francisco. And today in our show, we've got Olivier Block. Hi guys. Want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I'm a French guy who came to the U.S. eight years ago, working for Microsoft. These days, I'm a program manager in the Azure IoT team, engineering team. So working on the case for developers and developer experience in that field that I'm passionate about, which is the uh, Internet of Things area. Cool. So if we're uh, playing buzzword yeah, bingo, I think we're <laughs> gonna win. Uh, IoT, it's a
1: it's a big word and everyone kind of thinks they know what it means. They just mean <laughs> tiny devices and a fridge I had
2: to reboot, but <laughs> actually that's the interesting thing about the Internet of Things is that everyone talks about the things, mm-hmm. because that's the visible part of the iceberg. But what IoT is about is, is way more than just that. It's actually about what's going to happen with all these uh, sensors data that's been generated and pushed up in the cloud or to some gateways or something, and and how you're going to analyze all that. Are you going to be smart about reacting to all that data? How you're going to also trigger commands back to the devices? How you're going to manage those devices? So it includes like so many different topics that are just that go beyond having a smart fridge that tells you when to refill the milk. Uh, that it's like it's pretty. You know, interesting. Everyone I've been talking to at the event, of Bill here, has a different scenario. And people came with like super interesting stories and scenarios and ideas that we didn't even think were you know existing or in someone's mind. So it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Great. So think about uh, in the past we used to call that machine to machine or embedded or connected stuff, smart devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it goes from just the devices to much more in the cloud and then you can, you can imagine whatever crazy scenarios you want and our services will help you implement that.
3: What part of this whole Internet of Things ecosystem does Azure IoT provide?
2: Yeah, so Azure IoT is uh, several things. It's a series of services around Azure that allow you to go from ingesting data from devices that you can authenticate in your service and you can manage from the service to what we call the Azure IoT suite, which is a bundle of pre-configured services that is some sort of a turnkey solution for you to deploy on your subscription and use. So we have a couple of these, uh, which are the remote monitoring one and predictive maintenance one. So the names are pretty explicit. Just after a few clicks, what you're going to deploy with that is a series of these services that will do everything from getting the data from devices. uh, In the remote monitoring sample, we get humidity and temperature data from whatever type of devices. Being able to monitor that data, being able to set up rules uh, to trigger events based on specific you know, events, on happenings on that data. Uh, you're able also to hook into line of business applications to trigger the actions uh, based on, on something happening on devices. So think about Azure IoT as this offering that is both at the same time a box of Lego blocks that it can aggregate and build your own stuff, or as a pre-configured set of solutions that you can just like install and start using and eventually customize for your own needs. Everything you've talked about just now is about taking data from, from an IoT
3: device, pushing it up to the cloud and being able to, to do the things yep. you about. talked about. What
2: about when you need to go the other way? Yeah, so That's the Azure IoT Hub service, which is that cloud gateway for devices, allows you to do both. So the devices are uniquely identifying themselves to the service, and the service knows which device the data is coming from, and allows for an application which is running in the cloud or on a device to send a command back to that device. So that, that communication is bidirectional using Azure IoT Hub, and, and uses the same communication channel, meaning that the device can be on, waiting for a command, and from the cloud you're going to send these commands. That's pretty neat and kind of unique because that bi-directionality actually is not something that's very common uh, out there in terms of the the various services available for IoT uh, cloud services. So for background
3: on us, we're iOS developers. Our listeners are iOS developers. I also have a background as a hardware engineer. So this intersection between hardware and software and pervasive networking with mobile is all really interesting to me. Um, and I'm curious to know, say I'm a hardware engineer and I'm, I'm working on a, an IOT device
2: and I want to use Azure IOT, how do I get started? Like, yeah. What's the first step? Yeah. So, you, you have several things to look into. So, the, the, the first step is definitely to look into our developer center that actually can find on aka.ms uh, Azure IOT Dev, and and this Dev Center will link you to the various resources you can look at. We do have a couple things you, as, as a hardware tinkerer, that you might be interested in at Build. We just announced the availability of a series of hardware kits, what we call the, we call the starter kits for Azure IoT, and you have various uh, type of hardware that are, are ready to go for you know being connected to Azure IoT. Uh, yeah, so you write your code, whether you're know, Node, C, whatever you want, uh, for these devices using the usual tools that makers or the hardware engineers are using, uh, like Arduino IDE or others from your Mac, from whatever whatever. whatever, and once you have connected those devices, you can start implementing some intelligence out there in the cloud. And for that, you're going to use the usual SDK that you use for tinkering with Azure services. Now, to your iOS uh, you know, scenarios, if you want to have, I'm thinking about a typical IoT home automation scenario, you want to have a controller on your iOS device, or you want your iOS device to actually share the data of the various leaf devices and sensors It can connect to using Bluetooth or other uh, things like that uh, to Azure IoT Hub. So we just uh, published on Monday a new portable class library so that you can build Xamarin application for your iOS device that will be able to connect to IoT Hub. So your device, your iOS device, will act as a gateway for all these sensors that might not be directly connected to the Internet to participate in an IoT solution that's broader. So so that that would be a good place to start with, looking into our uh, uh, Azure IoT SDKs, uh, in particular looking into the portable class library that we have in the C-sharp. Uh, in the C-sharp SDK and, and look at the samples that we have there as well for you to get started rapidly. Uh, so that for, for
1: Xamarin, that's the C-sharp-based development. For, exactly. for iOS. We, yes. just, we talked to Miguel de Causa uh, earlier today, but this will be going out a week or two before.
2: Yeah. Um, so any, any plans for native? So there are plans for native. Uh, as of right now, the core of our developer SDK for connecting devices to Azure IT Hub is a C base code. And so we, we actually target microcontrollers for that. But obviously, it's pretty straightforward to make that C code run in the context of Xcode and to use it on the iOS device. We've not prioritized a, a prototype that we have internally, the stats, which basically is just instruction set to tell you how to do that. Uh, but we, we definitely plan to have that published on the, on the uh, Azure IT SDK repo. And obviously if someone is faster than us to publish that, we welcome all the, the pull requests and contributions from the community because you know like it's it's something important to us. I think we are we are conscious that there are like so many of these platforms out there uh, that needs to be addressed that we d- we need to be open in terms of not just publishing our code to try and address these various platforms but also accepting that other ones will will tackle and, and contribute their own implementation of our SDKs on, on these platforms we've not covered yet. So, so how much of the Azure IoT system is open source? So right now, or which parts all all the SDKs are open source, fully open source, meaning that uh, both the ones that you use to configure the service and send messages from the cloud to the device and the SDKs that runs on the device to connect to ITUP as device clients, all of these are fully open sourced. The service itself that run on Azure, and the code and its implementation is not open source. This is something we're looking into, whether we should or not. Right now, there's not a demand for that, because what people care about is the code that runs on their devices or in their applications and solutions on web apps that interact with the service. Sure. Um, so we, we definitely want to want to focus on that. And the idea here is actually to, to provide a lot of uh, flexibility and choices. For these SDKs, when it comes to the service client SDKs, we have support for Java, JavaScript, C Sharp. Uh, on the device side of things, we have C, as I mentioned. We have JavaScript, we have Java, we have C sharp, we have Python, and we do have support, native support for uh, iOS and already coming. In addition to the PCL Xamarin library that I mentioned already. So we do want to be native for uh, mobile platforms that were out there, including iOS, and we do think that our, our C code base, which is already available, uh, will be what we're going to build on to do that. So what's the
1: process for wiring this into your app? So say we're doing Xamarin, so we have the SDK. Yep. Yep. What's the interface like? What do you, what's the typical thing you'd be doing? Like yep. do you so, so the, the,
2: yeah, so typically the, the various operations you're gonna do are first like create the instance of the service, right? So this is a step number one, you need to have an Azure IT hub deployed on your Azure subscription to be able to connect things to it. So then when you look at the Azure um, IoT SDKs repo, you're going to find a bunch of samples. And these samples are uh, about connecting the device, sending data, and receiving commands back from the cloud. And it's pretty straightforward using the SDKs because there is a command which is uh, you know, create the client, which establishes the secure connection to the service. Then you open the, the messaging layer, defining what protocol you want to use, whether it's HTTP, MQP, or, or um, MQTT. And the next operation is to send telemetry message. And you can basically, we have a row messaging infrastructure, so you send whatever you want. If you want to uh, uh, you know, serialize your data in a JSON message or in something else, you know, do whatever you want send these messages. We manage for you within the SDK all the handshake, ensure that you receive a notification when a message is well received and so on. So all of that is part of the SDK. So basically you have one function to call, which is send message async. Done. So if
1: you're in a hurry, you don't want to do Xamarin and you want to do it now, is there like a REST API?
2: So you can can definitely um, leverage REST APIs for um, interacting with the Azure IT Hub. That's it. The messaging communication is established over whether AMQP or HTTP REST as well, but that's not the preferred one, or MQTT. Because the messaging of a device to no, a I, service, I knew some yeah. of those acronyms, but are, are we I knew some okay. of those letters? Yeah. Okay, so AMQP and MQTT are um, machine-to-machine protocols. So they basically are protocols that allow you to have two machines talking to each other, and all the protocol of handshaking, keep alive, bidirectionality, and so on, is taken care of by these protocols. And they are defined as standards of the industry today uh, that lots of very smart guys are, are uh, participating in discussions and writing. So... Basically, we comply to these standards of the industry for communicating across two machines. And so we implemented that in our service in the cloud and in our SDK so that you can have that used there. And the reason why we're using these machine-to-machine protocols is because HTTP REST has limitations. Uh, the typical limitation is that you don't have bidirectionality, directionality uh, and if you're a device and you want to uh, receive a command from the cloud, you have to pull for messages and this is not very efficient uh, when you are in the IoT space. You might not want your device that runs on a battery and that gets connected only once a day to send its telemetry data to be polling every minute to get a command. Right, so these machine-to-machine protocol, they are very very much optimized to, to not use too much of the bandwidth and the energy when they have this connection open and they have the keep-alive handshaking happening. So that means you can run you know, on a battery powered device and have these kind of devices being always connected and receive a command and act in the instant they receive the command or at the instant it's been emitted in the cloud. So this is why we're talking about these various protocols that are available.
1: And definitely one of the things that you, you realize when you start realizing what IoT is and how it's actually being used like, HTTP has just been the default for development for years. Yes. And you get into the case that you're talking about, you might have a device out in the middle of nowhere just calling into a, a cell phone signal or yes. a satellite. Yes, so, exactly. you know, all the overhead from your HTTP request doesn't make sense. Yeah. So,
2: you've got all these new protocols that do kind uh, of cool things. Exactly. And, and you definitely describe it, the exact scenario yeah. that it tackles, which represents a huge... You know, uh, portion of the IoT devices out there because very often when you think when, when these days we talk IoT, we see the big, nice, shiny, you know, home automation object. What we don't see as a consumer. It's all these other devices that represent the billions that all the, the press analysts talk about that are the IoT devices out there. So these are things as, as simple as a uh, temperature sensor which is on a um, remote, uh, I don't know, a uh, remote okay. farm somewhere, or on a cattle, or I, all I, these. I've seen
1: it for things are for like how much grain you have in your silo. farm. exactly,
2: exactly, and, and there are already a lot of these devices out there today, but they're not connected to a cloud. They might be connected to a local gateway or to a local application. And what we want to offer is the possibility to actually extend the capabilities of these solutions. Because like farmers today, they do modern farming, right? They have all these, that's a good example, and we can continue talking about these ones, uh, which is like, you have all these sensors, allow you to manage your silos, manage your cattle, uh, and, they have applications or run on a PC or whatever, and that they gather the data and do limited type of analytics, reports, whatnot, right? So what we want to offer is a possibility to extend this solution so something is going to go broader, right? So not only for this farmer to be able to benefit from very high compute and storage and so on from the cloud, but also eventually for companies to build solutions that it will send to farmers, as uh, like you know, um, software as a service solution that run in the cloud. And say, hey, instead of having all these sensors to install and this application to run, you know what? You you install these sensors, you install that like black box gateway, and then the only thing you're gonna to have to do is go to a portal on the web, log in. And then you're going to have all the information about your cattle and so on. And we con- we're going to connect you to your peers or connect you to other professionals. We're going to connect you to the provider for the food of your animals. We're going to connect you to all the rest of your industry so that you can actually focus on what is your job, which is farming, versus trying to install that freaking software on that PC that you not you know. So this is exactly what... It is about, which is like allowing to extend these existing solutions where devices are connected and share their information and data uh, to broader solutions that get more data, tra- like deal with more uh, information and so forth. That's really about it.
1: So if you're creating all, the, all this data, what's the, what's the management story like? Our, you know, we're, we're, most of our audience, they're mobile developers, so we're yeah. most on the client side. We're not doing a ton of work in like the server stuff. Like what? It's, if you say I, I've created some smart light switch what type of data are you getting on the server?
2: It's like, so it totally depends on, on the, the solution you want to implement so the light switch is, there's, a, there's like two main scenarios I would we'll see there the one is the use of that Light switch, right? Which where uh, you want to optimize on energy consumption, and you want to eventually optimize on comfort. As in, you know, you send a voice command, and it's going to command the, the light switch or dimmer to go down, or something like that. The second one is the health of your system, especially if you want actually maintaining. Like for example, we're talking light switch, but it might not be for consumer could be for an enterprise for a warehouse or something like that so you might want to eventually know when bulbs are running out in a warehouse if you're the company you know selling these bulbs because like the Home Depot of the world they don't go change their bulbs themselves they have a company doing that for them right and so as that company you might want to have a way to have a remote monitoring of these systems and in- infrastructures because you don't want to have a guy going through all of the Home Depots of the world you know and manually visualize like all the balls that are running out or whatnot, right? So you want to have also that, that type of data. So the first type of data are things that you're going to deal on what we call the hot path of the cloud uh, solutions, which is you're going to react on the stream of data. You might not need to store it somewhere. It's just that you apply filters on this stream of data and you immediately trigger an action. So, for example, you. So, res- what, what what do the filters look like? Is this in code? The, the filter script? will be yeah, So, fi- for filtering this kind of data, you have various types of services. One is called um, stream analytics, where you define what an input is, which is uh, IoT Hub, which is that, fil- yeah, that that device gateway to ingest all the data in the cloud through that thing. And then you have StreamLink's job that can in, like, look at that stream of data, and you use SQL type of queries using code to say, hey, if that type of data goes over that threshold, then publish an alert. Right? And then what you would do is, you would have a worker role, a web app or something, code that actually reacts on that specific alert. right? So this is what I would call the, the hot path. The data is coming in and boom, immediately you do something. The cold pass is a place where you gather lots of data and you dump that in some data lake, in some big data solution, Hadoop, what not. And after the data's been logged, with tons of information, metadata, what was where's the data coming from what time did it come in? was it what level of alert warning information it is and so forth all of that is then managed the, using the regular data mining tools or whatnot and you produce dashboards to do reporting to, be, to do like deep analytics and machine learning analytics and so forth on the back end. So these are the two paths for the data in the IOT solution IoT scenarios that actually you need to think about.
1: So how do you create the dashboard? Is it point and click? Are you actually coding up HTML or what's the experience like?
2: So uh, in terms of creating a dashboard for visualizing and starting playing with the data. So when it comes to Azure IoT, we have what we call the Azure IoT Suite, where in a couple of clicks, you can deploy these pre-configured solutions that I talked about. One is remote monitoring, the other one is predictive maintenance, and we're gonna add more soon. And so the idea is that you create your subscription on Azure, if you don't have one, then you go to azureiotsuite.com, then you say, hey, create a new solution, click on remote monitoring, and it's gonna take five, 10 minutes to deploy all the services on your subscription that will have everything from, you know, the device cloud gate, which is IoT Hub, to a website that uses Power BI controls and so on to see graphs and meters and so on. And here you have a starting point for building your own dashboard, right? So that's, is, that's one way of doing it. you have a, already a type of scenario that we address in the IoT Suite in mind. The second way of doing is actually to leverage tools that are available here and there. Power BI is a great tool for doing dashboards and you can ingest data from data sets that you push data into from IoT Hub. You can definitely say, hey, I'm going to have all the data ingested. I'm going to push that to a data set, that a Power BI data set. And then in my Power BI portal, I'll be able to say, oh, from that data set, I will be interested in that type of data. I want to show it as a graph, as a table, or whatnot. And so you build, you dynamically build that dashboard of yours, and then you can create what we call the reports. There are actually things that you can then share with your you know, employees, customers, or whatnot, so that it can have access to that data and eventually have control over it.
3: Tell us some of the th- things that people are, are already using Azure IoT for.
2: Yeah, so it's a, a like, huge amount of things. So you, you've heard certainly if you listen to the, uh, the Bill keynote that BMW is offering cloud services around the use of the car and so on. They're based on Azure IoT uh, solutions. We're working with companies like Tison Crops we are doing elevators. And they're doing all the maintenance of their elevators using Azure IoT, optimizing on their costs and on their efficiency, uh, thanks to all the intelligence that they can have from the cloud. So it goes also into home automation type of scenarios or into smartware or into, it's pretty broad in terms of what it's used for. We did focus on initial automation as a first type of scenarios we wanted to tackle. So our services do that really well. But they're also fitted for a bunch of things that even ourselves we don't even think of. So, we had that uh, very interesting discussion with a guy earlier on the booth who has a system which is about using light bulbs and sending a specific frequency that your eye doesn't see through the light to uh, geolocalize objects or people or things in a room or in a building. So, you have these various uh, lamps that send a specific frequency, each of them. And from your device that you wear, or that the device has on board, you'll be able to triangulate you know, where you are based on these frequencies, because you know where the light bulbs are, right? So basically they're used like sonars, systems. And then what they do is basically offer building mappings and real-time you know, localization of instruments, tools, people, and just based on the light bulbs that are up there. And so there was a scenario that was like, Totally crazy because they are basically yeah, managing. Confusing. It's it's hard to like to figure out the light. Like, imagine in this like huge building we are in, all the lights could be sonar systems that are actually are like, emitting their own frequency, and a device that you're wearing detects them, right? Receive that frequency, and is able to say, okay, I'm receiving that with that strength of the signal, so that means I'm at that distance of that point, and then I'm receiving that other frequency at that strength, which means I'm at that distance of that second point and third point. So you you can know exactly where you are based on that. And then this device will communicate to Azure IoT and be able to report to the IoT solution exactly where it is. So when you're in a building, you don't have GPS signal, Right. So, and the accuracy of a GPS signal is not as good as that because the triangulation now can be at the centimeter, and so you can geolocalize in a place based on that on that uh, any object that actually is equipped with that receptor uh, for these frequencies. Oh, wow, that's cool. pretty
1: um, cool. I mean, so it's a pretty mo- cool system, right? Most of the internal triangulation approaches have not worked so well, like iBeacons. Yeah, because you, know, you get inside they're bouncing everywhere. Bluetooth, it's it's really hard to get. Yeah. Well, that's a nice thing about light. I mean, it does bounce around, but it does not have
3: nearly the difficult propagation characteristics of radio, like Bluetooth.
2: Exactly. Um, I don't you, remember the name of the company, but yeah, I think they're onto something here. Yeah, that sounds cool.
3: <laughs> you talked a little bit about home automation. Um, that's something that I think a lot of... You know, some of the stuff we've talked about here is really cool and transformative, but it, it's for industries that the average person never thinks about. Most people don't are not farmers. They don't think about yep. how a farm is run. Um, everybody lives somewhere and has a yeah. house, you know? Yes. And so I think home automation is one of the first things people think about when they think of Internet yes. things. Apple has a system for home automation called HomeKit, which is, is yeah. nothing uh, is, is really nothing about what you're talking about with uh, Azure, but as iOS developers, we know that yes. we can create a HomeKit device, and then it, there there are really nice APIs on iOS yep. to talk to that and stuff. Do you do anything? Yep. with HomeKit?
2: So um, here's the way I see that. I think I think HomeKit is great and is really very much optimized for home automation. It certainly will also be applied in in building automation, <coughs> which is the more industrial <laughs> version of a uh, home automation. And I like it. I mean, like we're not though in the business of as the Azure IoT team in the business of building something that does exactly that, but I would love for publishing a sample or something that will allow uh, you guys to connect in HomeKit system up to Azure IoT and access the power of Azure. And when I say the power of Azure, there's all the big data, all the storage, all the compute, all the machine learning that you can think of. And that means that once you have your data come from these devices up there, and once you're able to actually go back and control these devices from that back end, Off you go. And I don't see that as being something totally unthinkable or impossible. We actually do want to do that, as in interact with another cloud that does um, IoT or or another solution that does IoT. You're mentioning automation, but I want to go back to another sample, which is very interesting, which is Sigfox. The so Sigfox is a company that does uh, that IoT network of theirs that allows for devices that are l- like very low consumption and don't run all the time to be connected. So they have their own series of antennas. They cover lots of Europe. They're starting to be deployed in the U.S. Uh, so they have their own infrastructure of antennas. So you, when you have a, a device that is Sigfox enabled, it could be whatever. It could be a home automation device. Uh, you don't even need to have an installation in your place as long as your house is covered by the range of the antennas, which they use specific frequencies that have a very long range. You just have a device that is Sigfox enabled and immediately it contributes to a scenario, which is an IoT scenario. So think about your smart thermostats. This one, if it's, if it's connected using Sigfox, you can, as a developer or as a consumer actually see the data coming into the Sigfox cloud. But that cloud only it allows you to have device connected, sending data and eventually receiving commands. It doesn't do anything else. But leveraging the power of Azure by connecting this Sigfox cloud into ours... That means you can do way more. You can apply smarts with AI using machine learning. You can apply dashboarding. You can do all of that. You can eventually build a a solution where you actually offer to your various customers a service on top of that data. And when it comes to automation, the first scenarios I think of is energy savings, Mm -hmm. right? So as as a consumer, what you might want to do is actually have information about how you're doing in terms of energy consumption, how you're doing compared to your neighbors, how you're doing in general, which is what Nest does a lot, Uh, but eventually inject different type of information. Oh, there's a bad weather coming. So eventually my system would need to crank up a little the temperature because bad weather is coming. Or I know that in the morning there's gonna be better weather, so I should eventually like tune down the temperature to save energy and anyways, as soon as the sun comes out, it's gonna heat up and I don't need to heat up my house. So these kind of things. Because you would have your solution connected to a broader set of solution and services, thanks to something like Azure, you will be able to do more. And as a company, you'd be able to offer more type of services to your customers. So when I think about automation and HomeKit and Google Weave and things like that, I totally think that it it does make sense for us to have these easily connectable to Azure IoT, to the Azure IoT Hub. Uh, so that you guys can develop solutions and leverage all the smarts, all the storage and so forth that we have in the cloud.
1: Yeah, definitely, we're app developers. We're not necessarily going up
2: configuring servers
1: or
3: Hadoop
2: clusters, if we have tons of data. I don't want to do that. That's the thing that um, scares you. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) that I have no idea how to do. I hear you, so I'm coming from the uh, embedded device development side of things. So my, my background is in developing the things that go in your car, in your hard real-time systems, you know, like robot arm controllers and things uh-huh. like that. So the first time I was offered to join the Azure IT team was like, whoa, <laughs> what's that? And well, I was uh, happy enough because they were offering me a job about like talking to device developers. So I was right. like comfortable with that. However, the more I work with what we have in the back end, the more I'm just like, okay, so we're talking about interacting with a service versus interacting with an OS. It's not so different. It has an API surface that you, as a developer, just tackle, right? It gives me services like an OS platform gives you, right? Uh, not the same type of services, but still, you yeah. request an information, gives you an information, you send a control, pretty much the same principles, right? Yeah. And the goodness is that to, to develop for this cloud, especially for Azure, you can do it on your Mac using your favorite language because you have SDKs for pretty much everything up there. So as a developer, You should start looking into these end-to-end scenarios because they're not so scary and they're not so hard to implement. If you want to implement a simple weather station, for example, of your own, go get one of these starter kits that is like hardware. You can tinker with that, connect temperature, humidity, whatever sensors on it, gather the data, whether you want to go through your iOS device as a gateway to the cloud, whether it's directly connected, your choice. And then you can very rapidly, following some of the instructions in these end-to-end samples, create an IT hub to ingest the data. And you say, okay, so in my logic, I want to get that data, eventually apply some filters, to trigger alerts. And so I have two things to to go there. One is called the uh, Azure Stream Analytics that works on streams of data. And then one other is called Azure Functions. And Azure Functions is an event-driven triggerer. So basically it's something you code. You don't have to deal about it's a VM or it's a website it's hosted there or not. You just go to the portal for Azure, you say create new function, you, you decide what is going to be triggered on, whether it's going to be an HTTP REST API, so you, from somewhere else you can call that API and it will trigger the action, whether it's an event hub, which is that stream service that when it receives data, filters like send something, whether it's a blob storage, which is something where you store a file, was data in there, and as your Functions, you will use, uh, for now, there's Node and C-sharp code you can put in the portal. You don't need a developer tool or whatnot. You just, like, drop the code up there, and this thing will be executed when it's triggered. So if you define that as the HTTP trigger, when something, whether it's a device or another service, will call that REST API, that code will be executed in the cloud. What's happening in the back as a VM deployed with the code and you don't have to care, it's all taken care of for you. So from there you have a system that ingests the temperature data, eventually filters the data, and then does something like sending a command back to the device to for setting the temperature, for example. Or sends a tweet. Or sends an email to your to your device or an SMS because you want to be um, you want to be mon- you want to be uh, notified when your house is is on. And eventually you want to say, hey, I want to turn my heat off from my phone, right? Because that's one of the common scenarios. Uh, and you say, hey, same command triggers the action for the function. The function talks back to the device through IoT hub, and boom, you set the temperature remotely. It's like few services, very straightforward. And I'm sure, like any of the smart developers that you guys are, in about 20, 30 minutes, you have that deployed. You're,
3: you, you said this earlier, but you're making it sound like snapping Lego together. Say that again? Sorry. You're making it sound like snapping lo- Lego.
2: Yeah, it is. It, that's exactly what it is about. It, it's actually um, snapping these boxes of, blocks of Legos. Uh, that's what it turns out to be. It's way simpler you would think. and. Actually, we're working a lot on on providing tools that will allow you to actually not have to deal with all the deployments and maintenance and so forth of, it, of these services. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the cloud offerings, it goes from what we call infrastructure as a service, or you basically it's like think of a like bunch of servers that are hosted and maintained by us, that you run your stuff, right? And then you have the platform as a service, which is more advanced type of services where you have APIs that you can use to do something. And then you have the software as a service that goes beyond where actually you want to implement a scenario and it's already pre-baked for you. So we're not there yet when it comes to IoT, but with the IoT suites, we're getting there, we're very close to that. Uh, but you as a developer, then you can look at the various levels. and. Depending on what you want to do, what you can do, what you know how to do, you can go for one another. If you want to do it yourself and build your own VMs and just publish them and have them do all the work, well, go IIS. If you want to go with advanced services that do a bunch of things for you, you just aggregate like you know blocks of Legos, you go with a pass offering. If you're the guy who just wants to basically leverage a service like device management, for example, from us, go for the SaaS offering.
1: So you talked about connecting with the cloud, communication to the cloud, back to the device. Yeah. How do you handle cases where your internet goes down? Maybe your Wi-Fi is up, your internet's yeah. down. Yeah. Um, is that handled? Do you have a direct, or direct connection with your so devices?
2: So this is a very common scenario where your device is not uh, permanently connected. And so we do handle in our SDKs uh, the fact that the device is not permanently connected. So when the, the application will come back to lo- online, it will re-establish the connection. If you have a set of messages that have been bufferized in, be- in between, they're gonna be sent. So this is definitely an infrastructure that we provide in our SDKs so that you don't have to think about it. And then from there, you also have to be, you know, conscious of what's going on when you develop for the device. Like when you develop an application for an OS device, you have to consider the fact that this device might not be always connected. Uh, you switch to airplane mode, or things like that, and so in your application, you actually benefit from the OS infrastructure that's going to give you notifications, like, hey, I went off, or things like that, uh, in your application. So it's pretty much the same thing from the SDK's perspective for IT Hub. We we'll try to be able to provide kind of bufferization and send as bulk, and, and so forth, and we handle the communication establishment and retries and so on for you. So this is something that is definitely top of our minds when we implement these SDKs for developers.
3: I want to hear more about the starter kits you mentioned. Yes. So you have some hardware starter kits. I think... One of them was mentioned on stage at the keynote yesterday uh, where you've got some, I I don't know if you've partnered with Adafruit, but you've got some Adafruit stuff. So
2: we we basically have several uh, kits from Adafruit, SparkFun, um, and others. And so for now we just have five, but we're going to have plenty more. And so the idea of these kits is to have a collection of different types of devices. It goes from the microcontrollers that you program with C using the Arduino IDE, up to Intel Edison board, which runs Yocto, which is a Linux distribution, or Raspberry Pi that can run both Windows, IoT Core, or Raspbian, or other Raspberry Pi OSes. And so we have that range of different types of devices that are available in the form of kits. In terms of price price range, I think we are around the $100 price points, where you have the board and the set of sensors, Plus, we have instructions for you to follow that will help you to do two things. One is use the Azure IoT Suite, so you can very rapidly deploy a full remote monitoring solution that will monitor temperature humidity from these devices. You'll see a real-time charts, You'll be able to define rules on this dashboard. You'll be able to be notified and so forth, and then extend that solution to your needs. And the second one is what we call a DIY scenario, where you actually manually deploy an IT hub and a couple of other services on Azure to do a very like, very simple um, temperature anomaly detection system where you're going to send temperature, you're going to define a threshold, and you're going to trigger an action from the services.
3: So you actually showed that on stage uh, yes. yesterday. And uh, for our listeners who probably didn't see it, they had a, uh, a board with a temperature sensor, and the guy hit it with a can of freeze spray, yeah. and it dropped down to I don't know what. But you know, got really cold, and, and then that triggered an event that made his shirt light up. Yes. And none of us knew that his shirt had lights in it. Uh, so it, it, it was a fun little demo. Cool. Sounds like that yeah. start. The, you know, the, the, the hardware he used to do that is actually available as a starter exactly. kit. Exactly. Mi- minus the shirt. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it comes. Exactly.
2: To the shirt. So the the, so the shirt actually that we built because I I was, I was uh, actually leading the development of that demo and I had some very cool uh, devs in my, uh, in my team that actually did the whole the hardware part of it using the kit. They were, they were using actually we used the um, the Adafruit Feather M Zero Wi Fi kit, mm-hmm. which is a little tiny microcontroller using Wi Fi. And what we did actually, we just went to, um, to some uh, Home Depot shop and bought some leds of 12 volts, uh, you know, some stripes of 12 volts leds. And uh, we had our, actually our GPM, our like partner level guy, was like super geeky and so on. He went out and created these boards of cardboard where he laid all the leds and we actually blacked out uh, the, the leds we didn't want to be visible. Oh, okay, yeah. We, we made it like super like, you know, it's a maker thing. Yeah. And so then what happened is that it's just an on off trigger. Right? We're, not, we're not actually controlling each of the LEDs. Right. We could do that, it would have taken more time. Yeah. So in that case, was just on-off. And so the little board is connected to a little relay, a 12-volt relay, and just like say on-off on that relay, and that relay actually turned on the LEDs. And so that little device was connected over Wi-Fi and was receiving a command from Azure IoT Hub. And so our solution was about, we had this other device with the temperature sensor in it, connected to that same IoT Hub we were receiving the temperature information. In the back, we had an Azure Function monitoring for alerts on that temperature. And when that threshold went over uh, below 20 degrees, it was actually calling a command to the device to Hub, to the Shirt device, this time to another device, to the Shirt to trigger the, the lights. So, and I, I, I demoed that as well yesterday during my session, that you can see on Channel 9 if you want to uh, check it out. And, uh, and showed all the thing end-to-end, the various functions and the various services, how they deployed, the architecture of that solution. Uh, but it was pretty fun to deploy, and really is significant in terms of what it says. You had a device sending data to Azure, Azure doing some processing, and sending command to another device, and to a specific device actually, because we're able to uniquely identify all these devices. It was a pretty uh, fun demo to do. It was a fun demo. and uh, Yeah, uh, the pictures are looking pretty good. I'm happy with that. It was up (laughs) my alley.
3: You were talking a little bit about these starter kits, and you mentioned Raspberry Pi, and I kind of already know what your answer is going to be, but I've been having fun playing around with uh, Swift, which you can now write and compile Swift on a Raspberry Pi. So when are you gonna do a Swift SDK?
2: I want, I want it to be supported, for sure. I think uh, so, cool. yeah, yeah, so I think it's, it's definitely important for our uh, device client SDK to, to support Swift. So that's definitely something that, uh, I had several discussions here about that and so on. We just published, so in terms of supporting uh, devices and platforms, we went first for the embedded devices, right? So we went first for supporting uh, embedded Linux, microcontrollers, and so on. So our, I was mentioning our core uh, SDK is a C-based SDK. But now we are actually extending that to other types of devices, including mobile devices. And so the, the PCL Xamarin library was a low-hanging fruit. Boom, it's there. Uh, now we need to look closer into not only, I know for you it's like Swift or Objective-C. I, 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 I'm understanding that you guys prefer Swift these days. But having what a way for you to develop is. natively for that. Cool. Um, and so... I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem to actually have our C stack being exposed uh, in, a, in a Swift API set. So, so this is definitely something I want to tackle. In, um, it, yeah, in yeah.
3: general, Swift does really well with calling C, you know, with wrapping a C API. Yeah, Swift exactly. Can C interop really well. So, so yeah,
2: and, and by the way, if you have pointers to where to get started with that, eventually I can go back to my dev team and tell them, hey, <laughs> I prototyped that, guys. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm up to you to prototype yeah. that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, actually, oh, right. there's one question for you guys, because you're in that area that I had, which is, how do you see something like, you know, the uh, the Apple Watch entering into a scenario like that? So, would you see something like an application that would connect anyways through the, through the phone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the phone itself, you have, like, we have sweet support, whatever, could actually make that watch participate in an IoT solution easily? Yeah. That's definitely. something you would do, right? So, that's right. definitely the type of samples that I want to implement as well, because, why not? I mean, like, it's totally doable. I, I,
3: I think that would be a great sample because, uh, you know, for example, one of my favorite things about my Apple Watch, and I think everybody would say this, is is, is the the way it does notifications, right? So <laughs> if I can get a notification that my garage door opened, yeah. because my wife just got home or whatever, you know, through it. This is home automation yep. stuff again. But totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I and I think it would be pretty
2: straightforward to implement today. As soon as you, as soon as soon as you can develop that iOS app. That actually uh, that actually will receive will communicate with your home or with that garage opener or not uh, you're done yeah and and um, the use of a, of a Azure IT hub in there would definitely help you in, in various ways uh, as in like having a notification up even if your device is not connected to be able to notify you as soon as it gets back online or, or these kind of things uh, so that's definitely something that that could be done very easily um, to once again uh, using xamarin today uh, but in the near future using using Swift or, or Objective-C, so that's definitely something we want to implement, yeah. So that's, yeah, pretty cool scenarios uh, in mind. I do that with my uh, Microsoft watch today, with the band actually. I have this demo that we did with the shirt. On the keynote, you didn't see it all because some of it has been cut uh-huh. during rehearsals, but basically what I had is, and I presented in my session, well, I had a, a, a customized version of the remote monitoring not taking temperature humidity from a device, but taking heartbeat and and, and skin temperature for my band, through my phone, and uh, what then I was doing also is, uh, I was uh, tuning in some Twitter information, some Twitter account of hashtag into the same portal, and I was measuring both, and, and the goal, I focused on Twitter only, but what I could have done really easily, is I started doing squats to see my heartbeat going up, and trigger that alert that would have like, light up, uh, lit up the, uh, the shirt. That was the initial uh, demo we wanted to do, Scott Goody didn't want to do the squats on stage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, definitely this, this kind of scenario where you include this kind of wearable devices into an IoT scenario, both in terms of notification, but also to me in terms of the sensors because it gives a lot of information. Yeah. You know, I have a UV sensor in here that actually could be very useful in, much, in lots of cases to contribute that information to something would be crowdsourced for informing people, hey, bring your sunscreen because on that pitch is like UV level, is super high. And the information is coming from people wearing these bands that have a UV sensor on top and that contribute their information up to some cloud crowdsource solution. But that could be definitely the kind of things you can do with, with these wearables uh, that go beyond just notifications.
3: Yeah, very yeah, cool. I didn't know that I had a UV sensor. That's, that's uh, fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thing. that's cool.
2: It does a lot of things.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, if our listeners want to know more and maybe play around with this, what are the best resources for them to go to?
2: The two places that would recommend you guys to go, the first one is our um, GitHub repo for the SDKs. That's kind of raw, but I like to send developers down there. I, so I like
3: If I can read somebody's source code, I feel like I get a lot better idea of how the whole exactly. thing Exactly.
2: So. So, so basically, you go to github.com slash azure slash azure iot dash SDKs. Okay, we'll, put, we'll put a link. Awesome. In our show notes. And and the second place you, you might want to go is actually our samples page on Azure, aka.ms slash Azure IoT samples. And in there, we have end to end samples, including the ones that, um, that power the starter kits that we have. Uh, so we were going to grow, you're going to find like, maybe a, a dozen samples up there, but we will grow that list. And obviously we accept contributions as well here. So if you have like crazy ideas, uh, you, can, you can go there. And so these would be the two places that we'll would send developers. You
3: mentioned you did a session on all of this. Yeah. It's my understanding that the session videos for this are
2: available They're online on ha- channel everyone. Yeah, so. yeah. I think mine is B844. That's uh, the name was uh, developers introduction to Azure IoT. Okay. And then uh, what if you want to buy a starter kit? What if you do about starter kit? So yeah. you go to, you, uh, we're going to add the URL, URL as well um, to the starter kit, there's an, uh, uh, an azure.com slash IOT starter kit, and so on, and this is where you see all the kits and all the links for getting started, for buying them, and so forth.
1: Cool, so anything else you want to say before we get to the picks?
2: Well, you know, thanks for having me here. It was interesting, and uh, definitely want to continue the engagement with you guys and and iOS developers because I think there's uh, much we can do there. And uh, so, you know, let's uh, let's meet on GitHub on the issues. You can find me on Twitter as well, O B L O C H uh, O block. And uh, you know, let's continue the discussion. Cool.
1: Okay. Thanks, Olivier.
3: Awesome. Thank you, guys. So, uh, we're not doing picks for the the hosts because we're we're all out of picks at the show, but. Uh, Olivia, do, do you have a pick
2: for Yes, us? I have a small pick for uh, for my state uh, these days in, in San Francisco. I have my first sous vide-cooked uh, steak. Uh, I know lots of you might have already. It was my first one. It was perfectly cooked. Uh, and uh, as a big geek, I say I'm, my first thing going back will be to go buy a, um, a sous vide machine. To do my cooking. That was my my cherry pick of the week, I guess. Are you going to yeah. hook
3: your sous vide machine up to Azure Internet Well, interface? you know, anything
2: is possible. <laughs> hey, why not? Why, right? am I go crazy. These Actually, no reason triggering, turning on the sous vide machine yeah. like when I'm leaving the office before yeah. coming back home. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. All right. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right.
0: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.